Tsunumi Fruit and Vegetable Market to watch FMWE, the debut show from the new promotion from Atsushi and Lisa. And um, of course, I have to bring some guests to discuss this. And who better than indeed the editor of Death Matches at Skill Chair Wrestling Magazine, Mr. John Dinsdale. How are you? I'm pretty good. I absolutely love this show, so I'm glad we're getting the chance to talk about it. Excellent. And of course, wrestling historian of fmwwrestling.us is Brett. How are you, sir? Doing good. Yeah, uh, this was a very Onita show, and I'm looking forward to going over it with you guys. <laughs> it's about all of the Onita you can possibly manage, with some extra Onita on top, with people impersonating Onita as well. And it's it just just... There are some issues, which I'm sure we'll discuss, but overall, if you're going to start your debut show, it does hark back to the early days of FMW at Currican Hall with a borrowed ring in front of minor, minor crowds to being, you know, the big stadium filler that they were. So how does this show come about, Brett? Where, do we, where are we starting from? So it actually goes back to about 10 years ago or so when Onita began uh, working regularly with Zero One, and he began having these exploding barbed wire death matches with uh, Akibono, and they were doing really well. Like They were drawing successfully at the Yokohama Bunker Gym, which is a 5,000-seat building, um, and Zero One kind of was like, hey, this still works. Like These exploding barbed wire matches still draw. So they created a sub-promotion called Super Fireworks, where it was essentially Onita's promotion under zero one and every show they would have exploding barbed wire matches and again they were doing really well until they started touring and then it just kind of became really difficult with the exploding barbed wire and so they just decided hey let's just do an exploding bat and that's how the exploding bat came to be where they could just be easily um they could just easily set it up it doesn't take a long time to for the uh match to take place and you just can use the uh exploding bat for the explosions in the match and they did that for a couple of years until right about the time Onita was about to retire for the seventh time in 2017 um there were some issues with zero <laughs> one and um I, and pretty much Onita uh, was, was no longer associated with the promotion after that. And then when he came back out of retirement, uh, Zero One was bought by somebody new who had actually, uh, in the 90s, had helped sponsor FMW. Uh, but the issue there was Onita had screwed that guy that owned Zero One over the, uh, thousands of dollars. He had screwed him over uh, in when working with Onita back in like 93, 94. And so that guy does not like Onita. He owns Zero One. And that officially, like, that was it as far as Onita ever working for Zero One under this regime. So Onita gets with Senjiro Takaji, who um, last episode we we went over with the Onita Pro promotion. Takaji's been working with Onita, you know, off and on for 20 years, having worked, uh, the DDT guys had worked the Onita Pro shows back in 99, 2000. And so, so they've always had a working relationship. Takaji, you know, owner of DDT, successful promotion goes, hey, you know, Super Fireworks, that was a successful promotion. We could, you know, have our own sub promotion under with you doing explosions. And so, from 2018, 2019, 2020, they have a promotion called Blasting Koshin, which is pretty much just a, like I said, a sub-promotion of just exploding explosion matches with Onita every so often. Well, Takaji had gotten a uh, sponsor um, and this, to help you know promote the shows and everything, and the sponsor goes to Onita and goes, hey, these shows are doing pretty well. We could branch off and create our own promotion. And so there's already talks of kind of breaking away from DDT and creating a new promotion. Well, around this time period, that's when the AEW show took place with the exploding barbed wire, exploding ring match with Kenny Omega and John Moxley. And after that show and the big dud of the explosions, 
everyone on Twitter starts messaging Onita. Onita, you need to come to America and you need to have an explosion match. And he's getting hundreds and hundreds of messages around the world from people going, you know, come to America, come to, you know, come to England, you know, have an explosion match, show these people what it's like to have a real explosion. Well, Onita sees that and goes, hey, there's a market from, uh, you know, there's a market of foreigners essentially uh, that want to see these explosion matches. And so, He's already in talks with the sponsor that was sponsoring the DDT sub-promotion. They decide, hey, you know, what's a promotion, what's a name for the promotion that we could draw these foreigners, these Americans, Europeans, to to watch us? And they decide FMW. You know, everyone knows FMW. That's what Onita's still associated with all these years later. And so they decide to create the promotion FMWE. They legally can't call themselves FMW because FMW (laughs) went bankrupt and you'd have to pay $2 million literally just for the name. And that's all you'd get. So you have to, they call themselves <laughs> FMWE, FMW explosions. And they decide, you know, like I said, with the foreigner foreign market and everything that, that they, the big thing here is FMWE is going to market towards, um, international fans. So fans can stream it. And so they put down $10, you just put down, you know, nine, 9,000 or $10 know, essentially. Um, and you could watch the show live, and and so that's going to be kind of the the strategy for this promotion. It's going to be another similar Onita promotion, but now you can watch it live. You know, you can watch it live across the world. Yeah. It's it, was that Sushi Onita double crossing people? Surely not, Brad. <laughs> yeah. <that's- laughs> You know, Evan. You know, you were talking about how FMW was able to sell Kawasaki Stadium out and everything, and you know they were drawing fifty thousand people. And but you know they still FMW still was not a profitable organization under Onita, (laughs) just simply because you know he took all the money. So you know when you're the main talent, you and you're the owner and you're the main talent, you can go. Okay, I'm going to give myself a you know five hundred thousand dollar payday, and the promotion itself is not rich as a result, but you're coming away with all the money. That was Onita's mindset. Like, Hey, I'm the draw. I'm the main guy. I'm taking all the money and not saving it for the promotion itself. Yes. It, it's a remarkable amount of time in wrestling. If you wonder why the main event in FMW during the nineties was so erratic and stories just dropped off in the middle of nowhere. It's for that reason, as people were offered more money to go elsewhere. And because they had no loyalty to the company, they were quite happy to go do that. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. to the modern day, let us talk about this wrestling show. It opened with a fake explosion match, which was Yumihito Imanari, and he defeated Basushi Fatinoti in nine minutes and eight seconds, as both of them came out to Wild Thing whilst wearing black and white boots, leather jackets, and white vest tops uh, with blue jeans. Somewhat similar to a gentleman we know uh, later who would appear on the show. And they had uh, tinsel instead of barbed wire, and the tinsel exploded, or somebody rattled something close to the house microphone to make it sound like it exploded. And this was thoroughly entertaining. I think they were using fun snaps. Ah, there you go. <laughs> Which I this was... enough, I'm seeing in more and more death matches attached to bats because they make a loud pop and you can pretend they're burning you. Ah, there you go. Well, this, this was just fun. This was just hilarious. Have you got any more depth on this, Brett, other than my random description? Yeah, uh, so Bonita is a guy that knows Onita. He works for a very low-end promotion, very small independent promotion, and he kind of looks like Onita, so his actual name translates to Fat Onita. So he, <laughs> that's his gimmick, essentially, and Onita has used him in the past for comedy matches like this where, you know, hey, it's, it's the fat version of me that, you know, has these comedy matches based off what I do. And like I said, Onita loves them. So he will book them for shows like this. Um, Imanari is a DDT guy that, you know, as you could just tell, loves Onita, grew up loving Onita. And so essentially they were going to have this match and kind of in a comedy way, pattern it after a lot of Onita matches in the past. So I I really like the spot here where um, Imanari or Bonita is going to put him, 
yeah, uh, Iminari is going to put Bonita in the Scorpion Deathlock, and he, you know, like, uh, Yoko, and he screams out Yokohama Arena, and he's tra- uh, calling back <laughs> to the Ricky Choshu Onita match back in 2000 at the Yokohama Arena when Choshu put Onita in the Scorpion, and Onita had to grab the exploding barbed wire rope to uh, break the move, and so they try and do that spot here, and it's just, I mean, overall, I, I always like these kind of matches. Like I said, Bonita's done matches like this with Pandita in the past, and so um, always they they're very creative, funny uh, comedy matches. Yes, just just fun. And my personal favorite was the pointing, because Anita yeah. obviously known for his pointing skills um, and getting the referee to point as well to give avid emphasis to the pointing attack is just genius in my book. John, your thoughts on this match? Yeah, this was hilarious. If what better way to open a show than pretending to do what you're going to do later? <laughs> and my favorite, my favorite bit is when they're going to the exploding bat, and Futanita's just making the siren sound himself, like woo. <laughs> yeah, he so swings nice... it, and yeah, stuff starts flying out. <laughs> There's just so many nice little moments here. It's just really funny, really callbacky, and it just. You sort of can tell both guys are like, holy shit, we're opening an Onita show. How fun is this? <laughs> they do look like they're having the time of their lives, to be honest, which is, you know, awesome. Um, should we move on to the second match? Because uh, that featured Hasegawa, Neishu, Sano, and Yuichi Taniguchi. They defeated Monster Leather, who's Yoshishu Hamano, Mr. Atomic, and Toshi Karawai. And that was lasted for six minutes and eight seconds. This is kind of a throwback to, well, it was obviously a throwback to monster wrestling. It was more wings thing than FMW thing, because obviously you had monster leather as related to, you know, Leatherface. Um, and also kind of a throwback to the, the Nita's love of lucha on the early FMW shows where you get a couple of lucha matches in for the sake of having a couple of lucha matches in, which was always fun and entertaining. And that, that was the bit... That was like that 90s kind of era. Always the thing that always made me smile about those shows was there was so much variety. And even though this is only a five match card, there is bags of variety on this show. And that's what I really like about it. Um, but this was this was fun. A six man tag that was all go. And that's kind of what it's supposed to do is get the crowd geared up and keep them entertained and make you go wow with wrestling moves. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. Brett, what was your thoughts on this match? Yeah, I mean it was okay. It was, it was like kind of like I said, this was kind of like an Onita Pro type match from the '90s, where it's just kind of like let's throw a bunch of indie guys in, and they're gonna have a fun. <laughs> they're gonna have a fun ten minute match. And Hasegawa, he, um, you know, he's he looks really good, and he's a good high flyer. And but the only thing is, is he started pretty late, so he's already forty years old at this point. But he looks really good and can do a lot. But um, yeah, I mean. The leather face. I actually don't know who the monster leather gimmick, uh, monster leather uh, person is. Um, but uh, you know, they Onita always likes to bring in these leather face gimmicks for the mid card matches. And you know, the and stuff like this is actually really fun seeing live as well because you're you know the brawling and everything right by ringside, and there's a guy with a chainsaw right next to you. But overall, like I said, pretty much an Onita match. It was good for what it was. Uh, monster leather, according to Cage Match, is Yoshihashi. Hamama, Hamano, presumably not the Yoshiashi Hamano, who's a civil servant in Gobo City, according to LinkedIn, but another Yoshihashi Hamano, who's on Instagram. So I'll see if I can find a picture of him and see if he looks wrestling like. I think he has uh, a good gimmick when he's not in like the leather face, like costume. I'm sure I looked this up when I was doing the review because I'm like, right, I've got to try and find out as much as I can about these wrestlers I've not seen before, but like. You there, John? Yeah, I was. I sort of finished my thought, and I was waiting to see if you turned anything up. No, no. <laughs> yeah, I think. Thank I you, think thank you for giving me I think when I, because I think I looked at his Twitter, and it looks like he's quite like a rocker type. I'm not sure, but yeah, this was okay. my first time coming to get cross monster leather as well, because obviously it's been leather face, super leather. Uh. 
Yeah, and there okay. used to be another Monster Leather in the old. There was another FMW promotion prior to this back in like 2015 or so, and that was a different. But that was a different guy because the yeah the Monster Leather here is a lot skinnier than the big 300 pound Monster Leather uh, five years ago or so. <laughs> <laughs> I think you got to go the the. It's Corporal Kirshner was the original one, wasn't it? I can't remember his real. Yeah, Patterson. he started off. Yeah, yeah, he was the first one in Wing, and but then. Yeah. He got arrested, and so uh, IWA Japan ended up bringing in Rick Patterson. Uh, that to was take it, yeah. The gimmick. And then, and then Kirshner ended up going to FMW, and he became Super Leather. So FMW did have there we the go Leather Face gimmick, but after Onita had retired. Yes, now I remember the order of things. Yes, there was some unpleasantness. Um, but and then yeah. there's been a bunch of them since then. Like there's like for any, <laughs> yeah, for any FMW callback show, there's always going to be a Leatherface, and it's always going to be different than the last one. Yes, this this is it. it Monster wrestling is just ace. Was just 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 thought it is like how how can I I don't understand how it exists without somebody suing them, but they do it anyway, <laughs> and it is yeah. just like. It reminds me of like because obviously one of the most famous monster wrestling matches was the wing match between Leatherface and Freddy Krueger, which was um, uh, try it was Eddie Gilbert. What's Eddie Gilbert's brother's name? And I can't remember his name. Um, but the Gilbert brothers had played like uh, Freddy Krueger in Japan quite a lot for various promotions. But their dad, Tommy Gilbert, the Memphis referee, wrestled as Freddy Krueger in Memphis. As a baby face in the early 80s. <laughs> and it's just like, he was a baby face. Oh, in Memphis, could a psychopathic serial killer be a baby face? I'm hoping one day we just have like this super match where it's just Leatherface, Jason, Michael Myers, Freddy, throwing pinhead. <laughs> Let, let's break all the copyrights here. Let's just any recognition. They had them all in wing, but I mean, they never, I mean, there was, yeah, like either just singles or tags. There's never was all of them because usually they all were with Vic, the Victor Quinones group, usually. So yeah. they were all in the heel groups. They never really fought each other too much. Jason the Terrible, yeah. who was Rafael Rodriguez, he was the only like baby face out of the group. So Jason was the good guy and everyone else was the heel. Yes. Um, and if I remember correctly, uh, Jason the Terrible also had. A feud with Jason too, which was Tracy Smothers. Yes, and they had yeah, a big yeah. match at Corican Hall. Yes, because you know Tracy did everything. Yeah, and Tracy hated the mask. So Tracy hated the mask. So he'd take off the mask like every single time. So he would wrestle as Tracy Smothers without the mask, with the just the, <laughs> with the attire, fighting the other Jason. So, oh, just just beautiful, just absolutely beautiful. Speaking of speaking Matt, of which, how cool sorry? was Asagawa's mask? Oh yeah, yeah. The light up spiral sort of match. That was awesome. It, it, yeah, the it was match was good. Yeah, the match was good as well. It's just solid. Just like nothing to write home about. Kept the crowd entertained. And then, then we moved on to the next match, which arguably featured the four best comedy wrestlers in Japan, apart from Toriano. Because um, it featured the Brahmin brothers, uh, Brahmin K and Brahmin Shu. And if you've never seen the Brahmin brothers before, they're wrestling monks, is the best way to describe them, I think, as their characters. And they have an odd sense of the rules of professional wrestling. And they also appear in death matches from time to time and look bewildered by the fact that they're bleeding, which is quite, quite entertaining. And I like them a lot. And they wrestled uh, Kikitaru, uh, just Kikitaru, great wrestler. Um, actually, a brilliant, brilliant technician who can literally wrestle any style you want and impersonates wrestlers on a regular basis, and is just a wrestling genius. You may know him best from uh, the Wrestling Road Dialys 3, Colt Cabana's film, and he tagged with Gabo Ji-chan, um, who's a bit old. <laughs> that's, his, that's his character. He's a bit old. John, what did you think of this? Yeah, I love this. I love comedy wrestling, and I I love the fact that um, Gabai Ji-chan, someone who I usually see on Chocker Pro, is like getting a bigger platform here as well to just do the the crotchety old man wrestling. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. Like, um, G-Chan, much like sort of any other character wrestler, the guy that does it does, like, several other gimmicks, and just the sort of styles he can pull off is unbelievable. 
which you get a taste of here whenever someone takes G Chan's stick away from him and he suddenly becomes the world's greatest luchador. <laughs> I just I love the fact they fit so much into about four I think it's is it fifteen minutes this match, sixteen minutes? Yeah. Yeah. It's just because you've got just the Brahmins, you've got the Brahmin's best spot. You've got apart from the, the two bell bows, I missed they didn't bring the two bell bows, which was sad. But you got the bowling ball, you got Kikataru being bullied, you got G Chan being bullied, and then just chaos. Pure yes. chaos. Leading to it world went, peace. It went to a it went to a uh, no contest according to Cage Match, but I swear blind that it was ended up being a four on one handicap match against the referee who got stripped to his pants. So <laughs> yeah, he threw the match out after they all attacked him. <laughs> and he got canceled well, by a wooden stick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just oh, it's just it's it, it's grim, but it's fun. Brett, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, it's a fun comedy match. Did I don't know about my stream, the what the what I watched the stream, it like died right when Gabi Chan started to do his lucha. So it was like the big spot of the match where the old man is barely <laughs> moving around and then it just cuts out for five seconds. And the next thing I know, yeah, Gabi Chan is just running around and everything. So I don't know if that was the same thing for you guys, but yeah, I mean I, yeah. I like all four of I like all four of them. I um, I watch Freedoms all the time, and some of the undercard shows on them can be dreadful, but the Brahmin Brothers, they're almost on every one, and they always are a highlight to each show, so I always appreciate them, always kind of helping me get through undercard matches. Um, good, All four good comedy wrestlers, uh, like you said, Gubby Chan, uh, that's Psycho from Kai and Tai Dojo days, and he is great with this gimmick. First time I saw it, I thought it was brilliant, and I still do. I think someone else needs to steal it, or in the in the states, or in Europe, or something like that, where <laughs> an old man has a stick and he can just barely walk. But then next thing you know, yep, here's a suicide plancha and a dive off the top and everything. But um, yeah, I mean, like I said, really good comedy match. And then yeah, the ending where uh, all four just decide, you know, hey, why are we fighting each other? Let's take the referee out instead. Was a great uh, ending to a match that no one was gonna, I guess, lose. So good way to get out of anyone uh, doing a job here. <laughs> Fun there fact, was the first, the first time I ever watched Freedoms, the Brahmins were in the first match, and um, they had an entire cardboard city. I was, uh huh. I was just yeah. Like, that's the homeless man match. The, they do yeah, homeless man match every Christmas, where yeah, it's just the any gimmick that or any type of thing that you could see that's on the streets, you know, like a homeless man would have or something like that. They use it in their matches, and those are really good comedy matches as well. Ah. Uh, I the first time I saw the Brahman brothers, they were in a death match in Freedoms, and mm-hmm. they did like seven minutes of spots with a bowling ball. That was just yes. hilarious. <laughs> it was just like, how did they come up with something so creative? It was just like, this is insane. This is insane. Um, there was Darkness Crabtree in the promotion, which we all loved, and now sadly are a bit uh, guilty about, which was Shikara, which was essentially the the Gabaji Chan uh, gimmick, um, <laughs> though with the North American twist and named after a famous British wrestling promoter, as in yeah. Shirley Crabtree. Yes, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the Crabtree family of joint promotions fame and BWF fame and Big Danny, a daddy, and all that. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think just an old guy is the ideal gimmick. It's just you can play so much with that. There was the famous match at King of Trios one year when Orange Cassidy wrestled Darkness Crabtree and they both fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> which was which was really fun but there you go um, I think we probably should talk about the production values because I don't want to talk hack on negativity about this show but it was the only thing I didn't like was the fact that it wasn't as crisp as it perhaps could have been given the circumstances if that makes sense because yeah, I, watched this... it, I watched it on the replay today and the first 20 minutes is the screenshot view of the editor's laptop, yeah. which is not good. <laughs> and then there was the, this, the problems of shooting in a fruit and veg market, which is, you know, low ceilings, which means cameras can't be up high to see more. And I can understand with the limitations what they had, they got. It was amazing we got to see as much as we did once the show got going and the editor found his groove. But there was just limitations, I think. 
Sorry, Brad, I'm interrupted you. Carry on. Oh, no, I was going to say, that was, yeah, that was kind of the first real kind of mess up, and it didn't bother me really too much until the main event. We'll talk about it when we get there. But, yeah, that's the only, I mean, as far as undercard goes, other than, um, you know, I guess the commentary issues in the next match or so. Other than that, like there was, it wasn't too much of an issue until we got to the main event. I would See, say on my end, on my stream, it was mostly fine, like visual wise. Like I've never, I'd never used Psycho before, so I was kind of wary putting money into it. But no, it was fine for the most part. But I couldn't hear. Like Drew Park was supposed to be on English commentary from like match two. And I don't think I heard him until. Yeah, he you re- could barely hear him. Yeah, so th- yeah, yeah. Like, they had a Chinese uh, commentator, a Japanese commentator, and uh, Drew Parker was going to be the English commentator. And then yeah, you could just barely hear him. But then when they uh, switch in this next match, then it's like you hear all of them throughout. Th- throughout. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's very. Cl- yeah, they become clear after that. They had great. Yeah, they could doing the Japanese commentary, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, it was like it, all it, at once. It, I was thinking they were going to do, you know, hey, you could switch which, you know, commentary you want to hear, where it, it was essentially, yeah, just like, <laughs> sure, we're just going to have all of them go at once. I must admit, I, did, I spent about 10 minutes on the play before I even started watching the show, just trying to look for audio options, and there weren't any by mm-hmm. volume. And I was just like, <laughs> wait, isn't this show supposed to have different commentary options? Oh, oh, it's an audio clusterfuck. No. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is all at the same time. Um, yes, there was the break at this point. Um, obviously, a quite a long break because they had to set up some deathmatch stuff. So that was the that was where the the COVID cleaning and the deathmatch stuff set about. And then the next ma- next match was presented by Miss Mongol and FMW Original and Nene Dai, who were going to wrestle each other. There was supposed to be somebody else in the match who couldn't come, so they offered the slot to Drew Parker who gladly accepted to pay homage to his deathmatch heroes. And uh, Miss Mongol went out, is there an English-speaking commentator available in the building, much as you would ask for a doctor? And um, perhaps the world's most famous deathmatch wrestling writer, apart from the present company accepted, uh, Michelle, who um, does a lot of translations of major pieces, literally goes to every BJW and Freedom show she can and loves deathmatch wrestling, uh, was there to call the matches for the main event, and she hasn't stopped talking about it since. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good for her, because she wants to do more commentary, and I think she should, because I think she'd be yeah, really that good. Was, yeah, I... That was a planned thing. The, the whole Drew Parker thing was planned weeks, because she had messaged me a while back going, hey, they're going to, you know, don't tell anyone, but I'm going to be a commentator. <laughs> so they, this would have been booked a little bit in advance. She wouldn't even, I don't even know if she would have gone to the show because DDT was um, at Corrigan Hall at the same time and she's super DDT fan. She is, yeah. It was, she was like um, talking about it after the show, how she'd like to do commentary for Glate as well, but she thinks she likes having to laugh too much and she might be a bit serious for them. <laughs> Which, uh, but I think she'd be cool for them because I think it would kind of like bring an element of fun to the show. I think she'd be really good with them. And she said she wants to commentate for other people too. So we'll see what comes of that. Hopefully she does. Because I think what you could pick out of her commentary was good and it was supportive and it was fun because this yeah, was a fun like- match. Yeah, and like I said, um, you know, the commentary really kind of like you could actually hear it after this, you know, at the start of this match. Like I said, with Drew Parker earlier, like you maybe heard every so often an English word being said. And then at the, when she took over, you could fully hear what was going on after that. So I don't know if it was just her or they fixed the audio commentary uh, at this point. <laughs> I think I think what they needed to do was to kind of like they need a sound engineer. Uh, yeah. just generally I think sound balance was a bit of an issue and it often is at wrestling matches because sound engineers front of house people are really hard working people I've done that job and it's a different job from running a band because you've got less things in the room and things bounce off differently and you've really got to set it up really well and that must have been an awful room to do sound in because it's all straight lines and hard surfaces it's not like you can drop black curtain everywhere to make it softer for sound and things going bang all the time, which doesn't help either. So, yeah. yes. And that's just the issue of being a startup company. Essentially, I mean, they're a poor company as of right now. Yeah. To, you know, they want to grow, and but that's why they're hey, this match 
sponsor this match. Hey, you want to sponsor this promotion? We're going to put your name on the banner in the back, you know, things like that. Please donate money. They they are a startup promotion that are poor, kind of like how the beginning of FMW was, and they want to get as much money as they can to fix problems like this. And so there won't, hopefully going forward, they'll have collected enough money to where this kind of stuff doesn't become an issue uh, in the future. I'm actually ever get to see a close up of that banner because I wonder if I made it on there because um when I bought my <laughs> streaming ticket I paid an extra. Donate. I have a picture of it I can send you a close up picture of it where you see all That's the names. That's really cool. That's really cool. I'm genuinely intrigued it's... to see if it it happened when you purchased the ticket or if you did it in stream chat because I never. Unfortunately, this show happened way too sort of late for me to review like watch live so i was watching oh yeah no i think they wanted you to pay in advance because it it was like a hundred dollars or so was like the cheapest one to get your name on there type thing so it was a separate separate sponsorship than paying for the show yeah i mean i think the the progress matt has names of people who sponsored it uh that had got the company going when they first started as well it's a cool idea and it's a cool idea for fan loyalty too you know it keeps it keeps you involved in this promotion it's it's I hate to say it's like kind of like sponsoring a panda but it's a similar kind of principle of giving you ownership of the company um mm. you know that's that's really important i was going to say like me and dara looked at glates gleat last gleat gleat last week i hate that company's name because it sounds like i'm being racist <laughs> <laughs> but for those of you who didn't hear last week's show it is called gleat it's pronounced great, but with an L because it's owned by Ledette Entertainment. Hence why the L's in it. So, but it does really play on the fact that Japanese people can't produce, pronounce their R's well. So it sounds like you're making fun of Japanese people if you're a Westerner, but I'm not. <laughs> it's how they pronounce it. Um, looking at Glate last week and the, UW, the Ledette UWF stuff, which is like the, they have the opposite problem of everything's slick and produced but they haven't quite got everything in place yet for it to be a really good promotion. They've got all the talent. They've got all the presentation skills. They go to Tokyo City Hall and do really cool-looking wrestling stuff, but there isn't enough to bind it all together. It doesn't feel like a fun show yet. It sounds like a really fun professionally. It sounds like it really looks like a really professionally produced show, and in two or three shows' time, big shows' time, it will feel like a fuller, proper wrestling show. Whereas this feels like much more fun because it's a bunch of actually big stars like the Glate Show had, but they're doing the thing that they do really, really well. And they're doing it in their own environment and they get to call their own shots a lot more, I would say. So that's why this feels a bit yeah, more like a complete product. Yeah, it's just the difference between independent wrestling and major promotions. I mean, this, this is a this is a definition yeah. of an independent promotion in Japan. Yes. Whereas, like you said, Glate, they got the sponsors, they got all the financial backing. It's just... You know, if it, you know, there's promotions like Wrestle One, things like that, where you gotta just because you have the backing doesn't mean you have the finances to, you know, you still have to perform and Glate's gonna have to show that they can do that. Whereas this promotion starts off really, uh, you know, low and in the hopes of growing, kind of like what Freedoms was able to do, where they start off very, very poor and, you know, it's taken 10 years, but now they're a, you know, regularly run company. That's what FMWE wants to become. Whereas, you know, like I said, the major promotions that have the big backings, they have to show, they have to kind of, they they have to yeah, prove themselves that they are worthy of having the big backings, whereas this promotion can grow from the bottom. Yeah, I I think this is this is I, I like both companies for different reasons. This one feels like fun, and it feels yeah. like everybody's having fun, whereas Glate looks like a company that's under pressure to get things right. Yeah, and that and- pro- that pro- that produces great wrestling but can put an edge on things to start with. Yeah, and we'll sense. go over it in the main event, but, I mean, I've been told by people that, that went to this show for the first time, like, this was the fun, the most fun show I've, I've ever been to, but, like I said, we'll go over why they're telling me that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's get back to this match, because we, uh, we, should, we should give due to Drew Parker, Miss Mongol, and then I die, who in 18 minutes and 45 seconds produced an incredibly fun brawl with just about the kitchen sink thrown at everybody. Um, and I was like, when I got Drew Parker stood up and took his shirt off, and I'm like, why are you taking your shirt off? You know what happens in these things, and you've got like <laughs> a back to prove it. So why don't I just keep the shirt on? 
Because <laughs> he's well, too far in these bloody men. <laughs> <laughs> he had to get that. He had, he had to get his bandage taken off. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I do like his haircut. He has smartened his hair up since he's moved to Japan, and I approve. John, your thoughts? Yeah, this this was awesome. Like I was always worried that with it having the sort of money stipulation, they'd end up getting nothing because everyone would be really stingy. But they got so many weapons out of this, and everything <laughs> got used, and it was all just—it was such a sort of just—it was a plunder match, but it was a plunder match done right because they sort of managed to make everything feel. Like it hurt. They managed to get ev- like everyone got moved in. All the plunder got used, and I'm now a Nene Die fan. Never seen her before this show, but underdog performance of the century because she got hit with yes. more things than anyone else. <laughs> this, this match went from Mongol versus Parker versus Die to just everyone beat up Nene Die. It was just, <laughs> but it it all worked so well, and you could tell Drew was over the moon to be working with Onita and Mongol was happy to sort of be back in like home what almost probably feels like home turf and yeah as you said everything was fun this match was pure fun and there was just there was funny moments there was quite painful moments and a lot of trash cans being put on people's heads <laughs> no. There you go. Uh, we should explain the rules before we actually start, start describing this match. It was a throwing money bunkhouse three-way death match, which kind of pays tribute to the old ECW arena, which used to have a dollar store down the street. And when people were queuing up for the show, they would go and buy weapons and stand in line for the ECW show and then hand the sad man weapons or whoever, uh, which everyone stopped doing the night that Cactus Jack got a cast iron skillet and battered the sad man around the head with it. Um, and he didn't realize. <laughs> he was like, ah, fine. Oh, yes. So, uh, but this was doubled up by the fact that you could buy prior to the show weapons for the wrestlers to use, which was really, really cool. A really cool concept to buy your favorite wrestler a weapon to use, which would be, you know, part of the storytelling of the match. So, and an extra opportunity for uh, revenues of money. So it makes perfect sense. Brett, what's your thoughts on this match? Yeah, it was a fun hardcore match. Uh, I, I really like Drew Parker, and um, here, you know, he's he's really coming to his own here the last year or so, and Big Japan's recognizing it. That's why they're putting him in the main event for the Big Japan title match uh, next month. And, you know, like I said, just really fun overall match, you know, and a great way to make money for the promotion um, by bringing in the, uh, by having the fans pay for the specific weapons used. It'll be interesting that, um, Best uh, Gaijin Award in the Tokyo Daily Sports Awards at the end of this year, if Drew Parker actually cracks the top ten. <laughs> that would be. I would have to imagine. So there's not there's not yeah. too many now with the, the the lockdown essentially. So no, I mean, I mean Osprey won it last year. Yeah. And Chris Brooks, Chris Brooks was second. Mm-hmm. So, hmm, intriguing. Will win it this year, and Drew Parker better be in the top ten after. Oh yeah, if he wins the title, yeah. he's definitely he's definitely at least in the top two. Yes, and it is like it shows you the kind of like heights that DDT, uh, Noah, and Tokyo Joshi Pro have scaled in the last fourteen months. Um, that Chris Brooks is anywhere near that because, like, even two or three years ago, you wouldn't expect it, would you? So, it's really cool. It's just really, really cool. Um, let us then move on to the main event, which was, as John told me in, uh, in DMs as he was watching the show, explosion-y was the word you used, I believe. And Sushi Anita, yes, you said there's all the explosions are in this match, James. That's what you said. I'd probably sure you said. honest. Yeah. <laughs> Atsushi Anita, Minoru Fujiati, and Ricky Fuji, another FNW original, defeated Abdullah Kobayashi, Onryo, and Yuko Miyamoto in 16 minutes and 59 seconds in a thoroughly ridiculous main event, which was everything you would hope it to be, and they didn't set fire to the building, which was quite remarkable. However, the inevitable happened where at one point you couldn't actually see anything because it was an exploding match indoors, which is, you know one of the problems we had with the production. But there you go. It's kind of like, what's going to happen? So, 
but apart from that, the actual wrestling content was great. Uh, John, what did you think of this match? So first off, I love the Japanese name for this match because, like in English, it's Death Match of Hell, but in Japanese, it's Jigoku Death Match, and Jigoku is still one of my favorite words ever because it's just Japanese for hell. And <laughs> it was a hell of a good time, like just six men, whole lot of explosions, whole lot of brawling, and a lot of focus on Vegeta versus Bonita, the main sort of. Sorry, Kobayashi and Onita. Because I'm looking at the results as I'm saying this. And just, yeah, those two going at it with Fox, Bardwire, and everyone else sort of just going around like, hey, cool, we can just beat each other up whilst the camera's on those two. And it was just oh, so good. This was like, Onita saw the result of the AEW one and was just like, right, hold my beer. <laughs> we are going to show these kids how it's done. And um, <laughs> they went so far over the top that they ended up fighting in Silent Hill. Just, it was glorious. It was so goddamn glorious. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I think that's I think that's John happy till Christmas. And what he wants for Christmas is another FMWE main event. Brett, your thoughts on this? As Anita returns to his roots, well, he hasn't really left his roots, but he's kind of put it back on a bigger platform and has got all of this attention. What were your thoughts on this main event? Yeah, so this was an exploding barbed wire, landmines, exploding bat, and exploding table death match. And um, Kobayashi uh, had actually stated, when Onita announced this match, Kobayashi was like, hey, I only live like five minutes away from the fruit and vegetable market. I can, you know, take part in this match. And so that, and so Onita's <laughs> like, okay, we don't have to pay you to travel here. You could just, you know, take your note for five minutes and come, you come on aboard. And then, so that's how, that's how this match actually came to be, whereas Onita versus Kobayashi. And then they had to fill it out with, you know, Ricky Fuji wanted to be a part of it. Minoru Fujita wanted to be a part of it. And so that's how, you know, this match took to be. Well, Onita and Kobayashi continued to talk on Twitter. And Onita, they put a bet where if Kobayashi's team lost, then his moped would get would get destroyed. The the moped that he was going <laughs> to drive the building. Whereas Onita put up his uh, his leather jacket, and it would get blown up if his team lost. Well, in the end, Onita's team ends up getting the win, and uh, Kobayashi ends up getting out of the way, uh, and the moped, they end up doing a bait-and-switch. Kobayashi's moped never gets destroyed. Onita takes to Twitter and calls Kobayashi a bastard for getting away and not having his moped <laughs> destroyed like it was supposed to. But yeah, overall, I mean, uh, people ask me, what do I, what should I expect from this match? And I go, do, expect it. Amazing explosions, do not expect like a great wrestling match or anything like that. And that's what this was. I mean, it was fun. It was... It was an Onita match, uh, like I said, with the with all those extra explosions. Even um, probably the only issue, like I said, is so Kobe, Kobayashi goes into the uh, landmines on the outside the ring, and that's the yeah. biggest explosion, huge explosion, causes smoke to just cover the building. As a result, the the main camera now cannot focus in the ring itself, the camera that's doing the stream. Um, you know, so pretty much he just focuses on Kobayashi and Onita outside the ring <laughs> while wrestling is going on in the ring. But fans couldn't even really see what was going on in the ring at the same time. I actually watched another version of the highlights from Samurai TV and their camera was able to catch everything because I didn't watch this match live. And I was like, how come no one's talking about this exploding tail being used? Like, holy crap. Well, that's because no, the, the main streaming camera didn't catch it. The Samurai D, uh, camera caught it. And it's this uh, Onita pile driving Onryo through an exploding table, causing this huge explosion, which Onryo then said, I felt like I was dead after that, you know, with this uh, explosion <laughs> right there next to my body. Um, you know, so like I said, yeah, the issues, I guess, were the camera because uh, the can them just not being able to focus in the ring anymore. So you just don't see the ring. You don't see the pinfall or anything <laughs> like that. You just see kind of Kobayashi there laying there dead at the, towards the end of the match. But um, awesome explosions. Uh, like I said, 
you know, people there that were there live um, told me that this was the best match because it's just like, holy crap, you're there sitting next to, and there's just these huge explosions. You're, it feels like you're a part of something there when you can't even see the ring. All there's all this smoke and there's just loud noises and re- and guys are fighting all around the building and stuff. And so, um, great experience. Like I said, not I don't know how, as far as a match goes if it was you know anything to write home about, but the explosions definitely were at the end of the show. Um, uh, after the Onita team wins, uh, they set up the next FNWE show that's, like you said, going to be in um, Osaka on August 15th, where Shadow WX, who was Mr. Pogo's uh, pupil, uh, uh, is one of, he worked with Mr. Pogo in, in Big Japan. Um, you know, Onita and Pogo, they had a big rivalry in FMW throughout the 90s. Well, Shadow WX, he comes to the ring and he's about to uh, throw a fireball at Onita. And uh, he screws it up, and at least on my stream, he screws it up, and then the stream goes dead. Yeah, I don't know if it was for you guys for as well. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I only saw the fallout in pictures from people yeah, who were asking at the events. Yeah, and like I said, I had the other version, the samurai version, and then pictures where after the stream is cut, Shadow blows that fireball, and it completely engulfs Onita in flames. And that's to set up. Uh, the next show in August, where it's going to be Onita, I don't know if it'll be a tag match, but it's going to be Onita versus Shadow WX in a fire death match. So that's what they're going to focus on next month, is going to be uh-huh. the more, because it's going to be outside. This this uh, show is going to be outside in a park, so they're going to be able to do fire there, uh, which is always unpredictable if that goes well. Hopefully <laughs> it goes better than the uh, the one time that FMW did the fire death match. I was just catching on fire, but... The boo flash. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Where that bloke nearly died. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She almost died you... there, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Just like but, that. Um, yeah. And then after, so after the show, um, because like you said, it was inside, it was pretty much, you know, in a fruit and vegetable market, which essentially it looks like a parking garage to me. Like, so there's, there's outdoor outlets, but it's inside. Well, all the smoke is coming out of that building and the neighbors, cause it's in a neighborhood, neighbors started calling the fire department. <laughs> <laughs> and so the fire department and the police and the police department had to come. So even in the um, not in the samurai version at the very end, you could see p- the fire department coming to the ring, going, "What the hell's going on?" So that's so FNWB had to apologize afterwards for having the fire department, having the police department have to come over because you know they ended up exploding the fruit and vegetable market essentially. The thing is, though, according to what Nitri filed the correct paperwork for all this. Yeah, they had, told that they had to still react to people calling, going, "Uh, this building's on fire." Oh God! Uh, it was, I, just... I I was reading about that. I couldn't stop laughing because, of course, that was going to happen. <laughs> I was just watching the show, and obviously as the smoke sort of came, I'm like, someone's going to call the fire department on this, and lo and behold, I checked after I'd finished watching it, and it's like, someone totally called the fire department on this show. <laughs> I, I'm just, just i am got this vision of Atsushi Nita sat down filling out a risk assessment form before the show, so at some point he had to have done, because he's in charge, so he must have stuff like that. Or the whatever the Japanese law equivalent of a risk assessment is, because there must be one. I'm assuming. What possible risks are there to this match? I might be blown up beyond belief. <laughs> by barbed wire, set on fire. Wow, I'm uh, doing a lot today. <laughs> shake foundations of the building. I I have I have read risk assessments for school trips which did involve the words might die was on it. <laughs> Are you sure you want to sign this? It's like yeah. no, it was because it was like the obvious thing of child may run off and, and run into the road. But yeah, and it's like well, it was a low risk of that happening, but still, I did you have to put that in the risk assessment? Half of this child safety, not really, but I'm gonna have to. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's like it's the things you have to write down. Not that they're actually going to happen, but you have to make sure that you've made the person who's reading the risk assessment aware that you've thought about the fact that this might happen. I think the funniest risk assessment I ever filled out was for camera equipment in uni. And I sort of put, because they were like, what possible risks? So I put all the basic ones and I was just like, might be abducted by aliens. You never know these days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they loved you because university technicians are known for their sense of humor. To be fair, the one, <laughs> the one at my university was one of the biggest jokers out there. So, well, well, there you go. Funny. 
Anywho. So uh, I just want to say real quick, FNWE is is looking to uh, book a building in in the United States. They want to have an explosion death match sometime this fall. I don't know if it's going to happen. They're coming across issues of, hey, having, you know, all the the laws in America being a lot more stricter when it comes to fire and explosions (laughs) and everything. So if they're already having issues in Japan with this stuff, you know, it's going to be even more difficult. But um Onita, he, he's always wanted to have a real explosion match in America, and he wants to take FNWE to America to have one. We'll see um, here in the next month or so if they're going to pl- – because they're going to have to announce it soon if they plan on having it in the fall. But, yeah, it's going to be – if he's having issues with the, these type of ex- – you know, I mean, and he's going all out with the explosions. If he wants to do that in America, he's going to have these issues that he's having, but hopefully he does. I can think of about three venues he might get away with. Because he's always, um, and the person he keeps calling out for the US explosion match has wrestled in two of them. And that's Matt Tremont. Onita will not give up on this Matt Tremont feud, despite the fact that Tremont's retired. And I honestly hope <laughs> I, it happens. I know, I feel awkward because Tremont, you know, for years begged Onita, I want this match with you, Onita. I want this match. Onita ignores him. Then Onita finally goes, okay, you know what? I'll come to America. I'll have this match with you. And then, you know, the whole thing happened to get Tremont to Japan and they do a six man and no one ends up ever losing to one another. And now, you know, Onita retires, but then Tremont retires and now Onita's back. And yeah, he's going, Tremont, I want a match with you. Come to Japan. Let's have a match. And Tremont's not responding because he's like i just retired like a couple months ago and so it's like his dream finally like he you know he's always wanted this match with onita and now onita's like come on come on and tremont's like i just retired (laughs) it's totally gonna happen because four four is dragging tremont out of retirement slowly anyway so yeah i'm sure it will (laughs) it's just when it will happen is the question i mean especially i mean right now it can't happen anyway tremont i don't think they're gonna have tremont come to japan during uh the state of emergency you know so but if they come to america yeah then i definitely and i wrote about this on my website but yeah definitely onita tremont is the main thing he wants to have a match with tremont if it doesn't happen somewhere down the low down the road he's gonna have a match with moxley whether it's in the aew next year or so but they might use that as a way to set up that as well it's kind of like moxley is going to be kind of the replacement if he can't get tremont i i was i was Pointing out, the, going to point out the fact that this does seem to be one state in America where you can pretty much get away with murder, and that would be Florida. Yeah, um, and that's where because yeah, I even um, someone from Orlando has been messaging me, being like, "Hey, I want to get in touch with Onita. He's not responding, but I can I can make it happen if he does." Um, so yeah, there's someone in Orlando that uh, does stuff like this where he gets he can have these insane death matches um once so he wants onita you know to, he wants to get onita booked in orlando so jj I, I, allen is it um i forget his name honestly off the top of my head i could go look it up but yeah <laughs> he yeah uh so that's where i would guess it would be florida but who knows you know it it's florida or uh, obviously, the biggest draw would be in the uh, New Jersey, New York area, but I don't know if he, they're going to have those get get by with the laws up there. <laughs> I was going to say there is. I mean, there is the the disadvantage of him of having DeSantis as governor of Florida is the fact that he's mental. Um, but you know, the, 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 the advantage is that wrestlers can blow each other up on a regular basis. But, so you know, was- I. I Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, it was uh, Orlando Death Squad is the promotion that was messaging me. Uh, oh, I love uh, Orlando Death Squad. They make all the weapons and stuff for Norbeast Underground. Mm-hmm. Really good guys. <laughs> they want that. They want the Onita match there in Orlando with them. There you go. But... I don't think they can get explosions in the sound bar. It's way too <laughs> small. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, I, I'd like a, a, a socially aware governor of Florida, obviously, and someone who, like, you know, isn't the current one. Um, but there we are. However, in the meantime, blowy up tag wrestling is kind of a thing that we think we'd all enjoy. What are your thoughts on the the, the dream match of all deathmatch dream matches, which currently is Moxley versus Onita with Mick Foley as special guest referee. John, what's your thoughts yes, on that? Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Make it happen. This this has to happen. It's incredible. And it would be incredible. 
because Moxley doesn't half-ass death matches. Onita's Onita, and Mick Foley would just something would happen, and he'd make it the greatest death match on the planet. That that needs to happen. Because can you imagine okay. that Onita doing the sort of exploding ring huddle where he's just got Mick Foley on top of bloody Moxley? He's just like, quick, get out! <laughs> like that mental image alone is fucking awesome. Uh, Brett, have you any thoughts on this? Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, I, I think it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when and where. Um, AEW has already said they're going to have another explosion match because of the first one drew so well, and they'll probably make sure to do better. They wanted Onita to come by, um, you know, and participate and kind of set a future match up with Moxley, but Onita couldn't back then. With um, He had already been booked and couldn't. He would he wouldn't have been able to uh, work a Mr. Pogo show um, as well as attend a, a, a meet and greet, and so he wasn't going to uh, bail out on the, his commitment. So he couldn't go the first time. But you know, if they kind of set it up in advance, and even if it's down the road in March uh, of next year, um, I definitely think it's going to happen. Moxley wants it to happen. Tony Khan, you know, he he wants it to happen eventually. It's just like I said, a matter of when, where, and how. And I'm, you know, and if it takes an FMWE show in the fall and having a tag match with against Moxley to kind of set it up, or if it's just going to be straight <laughs> out an AEW promo, uh, pay-per-view with Onita and Moxley, and, and they're going to do the exploding ring match again, I'm sure, and try and do it better than next time. But, you know, it, like I said, it just depends when. But no matter what, I, I mean, it's going to be entertaining uh, where no matter where it happens and when it happens. I think the only spanner in his works is his relationship with the New Japan. And, like, I can imagine them him going to the office and going, so, let me get this straight. You, you want to fly here to wrestle in a tag match where you might get dropped in barbed wire <laughs> as our U.S. heavyweight champion, but you haven't wrestled for us in, like, over a year. Yeah, the only, okay, I, would yeah think, fine. I would think you'd have to drop the belts before, especially just, and that is the that's gonna be the hangup as well. It's just politics because I don't think Onita's gonna lose to Moxley, and I mean, and and that's where it comes down to everything um, with you know if, with issues. It's just gonna be who to, to determine who's gonna do the job because, like I said, I don't think Onita's gonna do the job. Moxley would, but the AEW thing, uh, but yeah, he would definitely have to lose the United States title before it, the match happens, especially if Moxley were to lose to Onita. Yeah, I think this is the this is the issue. I mean, he lost to Josh Barnett at Budsport, but you could argue he was uh, a newcomer doing something different in wrestling. That's the storyline, isn't it, that you can pitch? So yeah. I don't think... And, and Rocky was on that show, so I know that Rocky and therefore the New Japan office had no real issues with that, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he very rare... Could just your approach and have everyone die. So it's just like Onita, Moxley, Foley, if he's there, they're all just taken out. And everyone's just like, shit, just sweep up the bodies. And then nobody... I mean, I could see that if, if, if due to politics or something like that, where, yeah, the explosion just knocks them all out and it just becomes like a no contest or something like that. That's a, you know, a possibility just to get away from someone having to do the job. Just have Eddie Kingston go there and try and wake them all up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there we go. Anywho, that's our show for today, and it was a thoroughly enjoyable FMWE show. We recommend you go buy it. Um, and Well, you can't actually now, because the money's gone, so I suppose the, the show's off of uh, streaming. I don't know if it'll be coming back. I hope it does. So when it does become available, you can find it. Um, and it's kind of odd reviewing a show you can't see. In fact, this is two weeks in a row, because you can't see that Glate show last week until later in the month, because it, it was on Samurai TV as well. But just the way things are in wrestling at the moment, um, but yeah, it was a good show. So I'd like to thank my guests for today. Mr. John Dinsdale, where can we find you on the internet, sir? You can find me at Twitter handle John Deathman. That is the gateway to hell to find all my writings, opinions, rants about how Dead by Daylight is a terrible game, but I won't stop playing it. And yeah, you can go to WrestlingSC.com, Steel Chair Magazine, where you can actually find my written review of this show since nobody's actually looked at it really. So, yeah, <laughs> writings, opinions, and more found there. Just don't be a dick. <laughs> I'd also like to thank Brett. Thank you very much, sir, for joining us today. Where can we find you on the internet? Uh, BahuFNW.com is my website. Uh, I 
got news, results of everything FNW related. I have uh, DVDs and MP4s for sale there as well. I also um, am doing a project of translating Japanese wrestler books. So I have recently put up Jun Kasai's uh, autobiography on my website, and I'm working on other deathmatch wrestler uh, autobiography books as well, like Mitsuhiro Matsunaga and Onida as well. Um, also, Twitter, uh, Bahu FNW, and uh, Instagram, Bahu FNW World, where I just post a bunch of pictures of FNW magazines, and my YouTube, uh, Brett FNW, where I post a history of FNW videos, and I'm near the end. I'm on, I'm working on the very last episode currently, so uh, pretty soon the whole show will be up there, but um, for now, 49 episodes covering the beginning of FMW to 2019 are up on YouTube right now. Indeed. So, thank you very much for listening to us today. My name is Jim Troopany. You can find me at Sheriff Lonestar on Twitter. You can find the show Troopany Show on Twitter and The Troopany Show on Facebook and Patreon, where you can keep The Troopany Show free forever for everyone. It's a very busy day in professional wrestling tomorrow as Summer Struggle is on. There's the big Noah show with Sugiara challenging uh, for the uh, Edgy Global Honor Crown Championship. Uh, I believe there's a big stardom show tomorrow as well, I think. There's all sorts of stuff going on. Uh, you wouldn't believe. And some of that will be reviewed on next week's show, we have no doubt. I'm recording another show with, like, with Dave from the Wrestling Rewind tomorrow, which will be entitled Dave Watches Weird Wrestling. So there's that for you to look forward to. Anywho, thank you very much for listening to us today. Take care. We'll see you soon. Bye. <laughs>